Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Foot Bros, where Keenan, my bro, and myself, Tristan, will be discussing football, fantasy football, and other sports-related topics for your pleasure, but mostly our pleasure. Keenan, how you doing? Hey, bro. I'm good, my bro. Good. And, uh, awesome. It's been a big week in football, hasn't it? It has. And the big news coming out well, uh, from Paris last night, because we're recording this the day after, was Messi has won his eighth record-extending eighth Ballon d'Or. What do, you, what do you think about that? I don't think it's his most deserved Ballon d'Or, in that he uh, didn't do anything astounding with PSG, hasn't done anything astounding with Inter Miami, apart from be their best player. Ooh. And... and uh, and he, but he won the World Cup, and the winning of the World Cup and the Copa America were like, they were like crowning achievements that you know the World Cup had so far eluded him, and so getting that, and also because nobody else on the list, I feel like, really could have taken it from him. Like Haaland and Mbappe were good at second and third, but neither of them deserved to beat him to it either. So really, Haaland is trouble. You don't think was in with a shout. Treble winning Haaland scored a hundred million goals. Not good enough for you. He was impressive. He was impressive, but I, I feel like there's something missing about Haaland so far. It, he doesn't quite. He doesn't quite tell the story of football as beautifully as Messi does. Yes, that's true. Good way of putting it. Well, I'm gonna have to disagree with you about the um, in well. PSG was pretty solid. Yes, I can really agree. Nothing remarkable there. But into Miami, he's not only do, he's fully put them on the map, but he's done some pretty. I mean, he is. Yeah, he is carrying that team, fully carrying it. And I think he won a trophy with them as well. Don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he won like the MLS <laughs> Cup or something. I think we can all agree anyway. Formidable player, probably the yeah. best to ever do it, and yeah. uh, not undeserved win, but uh, yes. Not his best either. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the big news that we had. Uh, some other things happened in the in the football. Um, before we get into the Premier League, which uh, listeners should note is kind of our bread and butter. Um, but before we get into that, some other cool things happened. Harry Kane scored a hat trick in an eight nil win Bayern had over a team called Darmstadt, and one of those goals was from his own half. Very David Beckham esque inspired. I feel like a lot of players are getting inspired after that Beckham documentary came out. Um, Harry Maguire is getting back to his best as well. Yep, that's yep. true. How long yeah. that lasts is How a bad question. <laughs> Remains to be seen. But yeah, a great display by Beckham, uh, by, by Harry Kane. Uh, a lovely goal to top it off. Erling Haaland is back to his uh, usual scoring ways that we're all used to. He managed yep. to net himself a brace in the Champions League and then another brace in the Manchester Derby. Um, once again, I showing, think it's, showing us which colour Manchester is. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out that uh, that as some random jogger yelled to me in the street today, and I'm not kidding, I was having a conversation with someone else, and this, I hear this guy behind me, and I'm like, this guy's talking really loud. Is he on the phone or something? And it turns out he was talking to us, and while we were having a completely separate conversation, he just goes, remember... A player is only as good as his coach. And we're like, 
Wow. That's thank you for that. <laughs> Glad. Right. Thank you for that piece of information. But I think he may be right about uh, Manchester City and Pep stepping back up means Haaland stepping back up means the team stepping back up. Well, uh, you, maybe, but I give a bit more of the credit to Rodri, who, uh, mm. after serving his little suspension, has come back and once again put City where they were, dominating. Um, I think, I mean, Haaland, you know, he's an incredible finisher of the football. He, he finishes the football so well. And, um, you know, he, he has that quality about him. But before Haaland, City did not struggle to score. And it just, they look, they look less complete when Rodri is not in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, Haaland, Haaland finishes, finishes his chances really, really well. Better than, probably better than anyone in the world. But as a team, I feel like Rodri is the biggest and most important piece. Yeah, that's that's that could well be true. We'll have to see if he gets another red card. Yeah, uh, what happens? Well, yeah, <laughs> next, next time he chokes some dude out, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have another data set to look. We'll at. have the confirmation. We'll have the confirmation. We'll know how true that is. What's yeah. worrying is that if if that you know. If that means that pl- that hole isn't can't be plugged when he's not there, then yeah, as as more players leave, get older, etc., they'll start relying more and more on the individuals, and that's when you'll start to see the cracks show. Mm-hmm. But enough about City. Enough uh, about City. We've also retreated to an El Clasico this week. Yes, and uh, the game was won once again by a Mr. Jude Bellingham. Scored the. Scored both of Real Madrid's goals by himself, thereby winning the game uh, because it was 2-1, the final result. And uh, I put this to you, my brother. Jude Bellingham, does he deserve to be in the conversation of best player in the world? Uh, Well, for starters, Bellingham, as we know, won the Copa uh, Award last night. So best young player. And I think that was definitely 100% deserved. And... uh, and I think the best player in the world right now, maybe right now in that he's having the best run of form in the world right now. Like if you look at it that way, I think we could say is if you look at it on a broader scale, I don't think we could push it quite that far. But he's definitely showing that he's got the potential to be. Uh, good, that's good analysis. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of Bellingham, partly because, you know, he's an English youngster um, and I think he's going to take the, the England team. He could take the England team to great places, possibly trophy winning places. Mm. But uh, I, just, I just think it's pretty incredible what he's doing. I, you know, at, what is he, like 20 still? Yeah, 20. Grew up, uh, grew up in some small place in England. Went to, uh, what was this club before Dortmund? Was it, was it Birmingham? Uh, let's 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 do some fact checking here. Ah, uh, you fact check me on that. I, think I, like it I am be going to find out where Jude Bellingham was. He was indeed at Birmingham City, Birmingham from City, 2010 right. to 2020. his rise has been meteoric. He is boshing in goals from midfield like no player I've seen in a while. Mm. Uh, he could be the next Zidane. That's, that's what people, a lot of people are comparing him to. But, hey, I mean, you put too much pressure on the young guy. He, I mean, 
this man seems to be absorbing pressure like a sponge. Being being a an, a Real Madrid player, an England player, you know that that is pressure almost like no other in world football, and he just absolutely thrives under it. And you gotta yeah. admire him. But if if he dips in form, which every player does, I think it's important that people don't, you know, get on his back. Yeah. And uh, and just remember how remember that the stand, the standard he has set is extraordinary and not you know to be expected. But yeah, Jude yep. Bellingham, one to watch. Definitely. All right, now it's time for our Premier League chat. So, what happened in the Premier League this week? Well, big wins for Arsenal and Liverpool, and of course Manchester City dominating the Manchester derby, but. Frankly, who was expecting them to do any less? Nobody. <laughs> Newcastle and Brighton were held to draws that they might have both been slightly disappointed with. Um, another disappointing performance from Chelsea against the low-block team. But the question on everyone's lips, Tristan. Yes. Tottenham Hotspur. Are they title contenders? Uh, it would be wrong to just write them off because it's only been 10 game weeks and there's City. I don't think that would be fair, uh, even though I still think that despite being first, they are a long shot for winning. I still think they're title contenders. Okay, so you, you, would, you, you are comfortable calling them title contenders now, even if you wouldn't like put a bet on them to win the whole thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. What about you? I... I think that in the next, so we're about get we're about game week ten now. We've had about ten games. Uh, I think probably ten games from now we'll see them a bit further down the table. I like as in like third or fourth. Um, I don't. I just don't know if they can hold on. They I feel can like they. I don't think it's sustain it, and it's like what we were saying about how what City might soon become, which is a team reliant on individuals. I think Tottenham are currently a team reliant very much on individuals, particularly Son and Madison. And if anything happens to either of them, injury, suspension, just general dip in form, I think it will massively affect the team. But just yeah, just kind of lacking in that squad depth. And then Arsenal, they've improved on their squad depth this season, but they. It feels in some ways that they are lacking some of the excitement that they had last season. Um, yeah. You know, so they've got that depth and they're a bit, so they're a, bit, a very solid top four team. But I think just the flair that they had that made them title contenders from last season, I don't know if it's there anymore. Uh, well, there, you know. there's definitely a pressure issue. Like, it's, it's in, in a similar way that last season, nobody was expecting Arsenal to do anything amazing because they hadn't been doing anything amazing for a while. In the same way, everyone walked into this season going, Spurs are going to be awful, and now they've got no Harry Kane. And and so there's no pressure. And so you're just like, you go out there and you, and you, can, and you can play with that flair because you're not sitting there thinking... I've got to get into the Champions League spots and I've got to get the I've got to be a title contender and so on and so forth. And Arsenal came into this season with that weight because they did so well last season. And so now there's now there's pressure. There's pressure on Arteta, there's pressure on the team, there's pressure on on players like Saka and Odegaard to to perform as consistently. Indeed, indeed. Not everyone is Jude Bellingham. Now we talk about our fantasy football team. Uh, I do believe it's the time to to get into some FPL. 
So just so you know where where we're where we're at. So we're ten. Obviously, we're ten game weeks in. Uh, I am doing pretty well. Uh, an overall rank of roughly five hundred and something thousandth. Uh, how uh, how is your team doing, Keenan? My team is not doing as well as I would like. For context, uh, you know, Tristan and I were. Well, where whereabouts were we ranked last season? Like, I was. Millionth. I was. Oh was well, like that was okay. I was yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> I was more like in the top one hundred k or close to it. Um, at least, at least towards the end of the season, and so, and so, with that in mind, I'm quite disappointed with where I'm at right now. I've got um, 592 points, and I'm about two million in, in the ranking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, improvements to be made from my perspective. Improvements to be made. So yeah. That's where we're at. Game week ten. Uh, so to go over this game week, basically, mm-hmm. my goal is to systematically get more than the average points which has been the case so far this season for me, but I am the average points was 66 this game week, and I, I got 68. So there's only two above it, which is not great for me. Uh, I got quite lucky because Odegaard didn't play, but the first guy on my bench was Huang Hee Chan, who scored. Oh, that's nice. And he's, I got he's on good form, that player. He's, he, he is. He is. He is. I'm very gl- glad because I wanted a Wolves. I wanted one of the Wolves midfielders, and I was looking at Neto and uh, Huang Yi Chan, and I went, mm, Huang Yi Chan's stats look better to me, and uh, and oh, I got I got there. I hit. I struck gold because he scored and Neto got injured, <laughs> so I'm I got got the right got the right end of that of that stick. So uh, yeah, that was that was my week personally. How was your week? Bit of good fortune there. Um, well, it was looking all right, um, but I I took the very brave uh, decision <laughs> to uh, give Ollie Watkins the captain's armband. I, I he was at home to Luton. Uh, Luton can be shocking. They they can concede a lot of goals, and Ollie Watkins is a player on absolute fire for both club and country. Um, but uh, but this time he just wasn't feeling it. He, he did not feel <laughs> like doing anything at all. Uh, he decided to sit this one out, even though his side won comfortably, and uh, that was very sad for me. Not just like, not just for my overall score, but but relative to others, because the other two like main armband people, Salah and Haaland, both delivered. Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was a disappointing one. Yeah, Haaland properly delivering. Haaland like... properly delivered. I don't think. Yeah, probably not too many people thought he'd do so well again away to Manchester United. Although we should have known better because of that brace in the Champions League. And you, yeah, you're right to yeah. mention it. Like once Haaland's back scoring again, well, he's back scoring again. <laughs> well, admittedly, I uh, I heard you know people like uh, the FPL pod people, a um, couple of them saying they'd back Haaland, and I was just like, what? That was stupid of you. You got Salah home to Forest. Watkins home to Luton, and yet uh, he was by far and away the best choice. Yeah, uh, fair play to those people who saw that coming. Yep, and which it also it also raises the question again of uh, of fixed captaincies. The 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 player who won last year uh, mentioned it. He said that his he always stuck with the same captain because you're on average. It's more likely to deliver if you've got a good player like Holland, and so even if you've got a couple blanks, you're you're going to end up with these kind of holes. Whereas if you're moving your captaincy around, uh, trying to 
trying to sort of sniff out the best captaincy one from one game week to another, you risk sort of doing what kind of like what I did, which is uh, you've got Holland on one week and then he blanks, and then because Salah did better, you'd move it over to Salah, but then Salah does less good than Holland. And if I just kept it on Holland, on average, I would actually have been better off over these over those two game weeks. And you calculated that. Yeah. If I'd kept it on Salah, I would have been better off as well. So it's not so much I should have kept it on Haaland or I should have, uh, or, uh, but it's more I should have kept it on one player, either well, Haaland or Salah. There is a very real phenomenon in, uh, in FPL, which is sometimes doing too much, uh, like, you know, transfer activity and trying to, trying to look too hard into, into what exact changes you can make and transfers and captain changes and, and you end up just doing worse than if you just, yeah, like you say, left it on the uh, well-performing. I'm, I'm in a mini-league right now where uh, the guy who's winning clearly hasn't made any changes since basically <laughs> the beginning of the game. And I'm in second, to be fair. But yeah, the guy, the guy ahead of me, you know, he's, 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 he picked a good starting team. I'm looking at it right now. I've got like, at the back, he's got like Ruben Diaz. Trippier, Saliba, in the middle, Saka, Madison, Matoma, Bowen, up front, Haaland, Darwin, and Cunha. I had no idea why I picked Cunha, but... And Pope in goal. Now, um... Yeah, it's solid. FPL, yeah, I mean, from, you know, from a sort of FPL, like, strategy, changing things up, thing, thing it's kind of weird, like, it's not... There's no, you know, it's not too... It doesn't follow the trends too well. But in terms of just picking a solid starting eleven that is going to deliver regularly, it is a good team. What are you thinking of, uh, what are you thinking transfer-wise for the upcoming game week? Well, so I was saved a little bit last, this week by Spurs, and uh, particularly Son and also Madison. And uh, so unfortunately, as, as a, they're playing Chelsea next, and I am a Chelsea fan, and, uh, but I'm going to keep a triple up of them. <laughs> Going it's, it's not nice to look at, but uh, I think it's necessary. I don't think I'm going to make any transfers this week. Um, I'm going to roll it and, and see what happens next week. Okay. I I had a plan which was to get Cole Palmer and then Saka back in my team, who I transferred out a little while back. Uh, at the moment, that doesn't financially work, so I'm. Um, I just have to. I have to reformulate. I. Uh, I. I currently don't have any, very, much of a plan. So I need to, need to get back on that. What about you? What are you? What are you going to do next week? Well, so initially, my plan over the next couple of game weeks had been to uh, drop Ben White down to a cheaper defender. I was thinking Massey Cash initially to free up a few funds so that I could upgrade uh, Anthony Gordon to uh, Mitoma. Mm-hmm. But I am going off that slightly. Uh, I'm going off that slightly because... Anthony Gordon has gone great for Well, yes, he is, but I... <laughs> he is, but Newcastle's fixtures aren't insane. Uh, Coming up, I don't think Gordon's a regular enough performer to warrant like me keeping him in in place. Um, and and I'm uh, and so initially I wanted I wanted Matoma because I'm a Brighton fan and because they've got a good run of fixtures. 
but Brighton aren't being very good at the moment. <laughs> and um, and so I don't know if it's worth hedging bets on on a team that needs to find its form again. And they might over the next, and I hope they will, over the next couple game weeks. Like They've got some easier fixtures. So they've got to find something that clicks again. And when that clicks again, then I'll look at Brighton. I'm, I'm shifting towards a different idea, which is uh, hold on to your socks. To remove Odegaard and to get Jared Bowen in, and then after that, shift White down to a cheaper defender and Anthony Gordon up to uh, Saka, who is the Ooh. preferable Arsenal player. I, that's my idea. I think that's a good idea. I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know why you went for Odegaard to begin with, if I'm being honest, considering Saka's at the same price point. Um, you know, uh, but uh, yes, I, 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 would, I would back dropping Odegaard and getting Saka back in. And Jared Bowen is also a player on, on great form. Uh, he's probably, yeah, I mean, I think we could call him West Ham's talisman. Definitely. So, yeah, I would, uh, I would function that 100%. He's on great form, and West Ham have great fixtures. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, and for a while, so like it's a we're talking about a long term asset. There, there's barely any, they have barely any difficult fixtures until until Christmas. Basically, they've got the one game they have is Spurs, and then maybe Brentford. And other than that, everyone else is mid or low table. Yeah, uh, he's a great, he's a solid pick. Uh, but FPL. As important as it is in our lives and in our hearts, is not the only football-related game we have, is it, Keenan? <laughs> no, it is not, Tristan. So, for our for our listeners, what what we did uh, before the season started is we decided to invent a new game because we just simply cannot get enough of football-related games here on this <laughs> podcast, um, guys. So, uh, so we came up with a different game, which was predict the Premier League. Which is something we did last season as well, but but in uh, what we did last season, we we just predicted the league and then we left it for the whole season. And uh, obviously, a lot of things happened over the season, a lot of things we didn't anticipate, and you know, so it was. Uh, and we had this point system, which in the end, I think, and we ended up with almost no correct guesses and almost no points, <laughs> therefore. And uh, so we decided to change it up a bit this season. Well, the first change we made was to make it a bit more engaging. We decided that every 10 game weeks, so uh, that will mean at game weeks 10, 20, uh, and then 30, we will be able to move two teams to any new position, up to two teams, uh, to any new position in the table. So that makes, makes it a little bit more engaging at various touch points. And we have also changed the uh, scoring system so that it's a little bit more generous. You get awarded not just for getting the exact right, uh, position, but for pro- proximity to the correct position. So, um, five points for being correct, three points for one off, one point for two positions off, and then other, everything else is zero points because exactly. three off is just miles away. Three off is, is miles away at a table of 20. So, um, so, uh, so Tristan, how about I uh, talk through my sort of picks and then what I'm thinking for changes, and then, and then you can, you can go, go for it. Go for it. All right. Go for it. So, just, so just to talk you through my predictions. So bearing in mind this is 10 game weeks ago, so obviously I wouldn't necessarily do this exact table right now if I were given a chance. But down in 20th, I got Sheffield United. I think that's still probably 
better position for them to be. That is a hundred percent correct. I as think currently stand. They are there. All right, currently they got five points that one. All right, next I got Luton. Also, I think pretty valid. Then Bournemouth again, pretty valid. I reckon. Then Nottingham Forest uh, again. That's you know, I, I think I'm still pretty much on the mark here. Then I got Wolves in 16. Now that might be a bit. Uh, that might end up being a bit off come the end of the season because as we've been discussing, they've been performing pretty well. I've got Everton in 15. They also appear to be. Uh, improving a bit, but currently they are in 15th, so uh, <laughs> you know, not too worried about that. Then I've got Fulham in 14th, also currently in the correct position. I've got Brentford in 13th. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I've got Burnley in 12th. Now, Burnley are currently in 19th, so this one might uh, this one might, might not have turn been out optimistic. Good. Might have been optimistic, but I'm not. It's not currently something I'm too worried about. I've got Crystal Palace in 11th. They always come mid-table. It is, it is, it is written it in is the laws of man. The <laughs> Crystal Palace will finish somewhere between eight and twelve or nine and twelve. Um, West Ham in tenth. Uh, I think that was a pretty good shout because last season they were in a relegation battle, but on the back of their Conference League victory, they look somewhat revitalised. Not, not like European. I don't think they're going to get a European slot, but uh, I think 10th position is reasonable for them. I put Aston Villa in ninth. Now, that is now looking like it might be a bit harsh. Uh, you know, Aston Villa looking very strong, and they might be further up than that. I've got Brighton in eighth. Um, not too worried about that. They might be a couple places higher, but I think it's there or thereabouts. Now, I've got Spurs in seventh, which is probably going to end up being kind of wrong. Um, oh, I think they'll need to be moved, if possibly right now. Oh, uh, by the way, I did not mention that this is currently our um, transfer slot because we are in we just game week ten just finished. So this is this is the moment, guys, for us to be moving our teams about if we want to. So that's what we're going to be discussing. Anyway, um, I've got Newcastle on six. I think that's fine. Chelsea in fifth, maybe not so far up, but not still not too worried about that. Liverpool fourth, yeah, could do. Manchester United third, probably not. I think I'm going to have to move them down a bit. Arsenal in second, and Manchester City in first. I think that's a good prediction. Um, so just quickly, I think for me, because as a reminder, we're allowed to move two teams, I think the solution for me is obvious. I think it is to swap Spurs and United. So Spurs, who are currently in seventh, and United, who are currently in third, I think I just need to swap them around and I'll have a slightly more accurate portrayal of the current and potentially final table. That actually sounds like a good idea. Yeah. All right. Over I'm, to you, Tristan. I'm a bit jealous. All right. I'm going to come, come back to you to lock in your decision. All right. We'll come, we'll come back on that. All right. So I'm a little less confident. <laughs> I've got less things that are on the money right now. So I've got Bournemouth in 20th which is the right area. Uh, Sheffield United in 19th. Wolves 18th, I also thought, but Wolves were going to get uh, engaged in a, in a relegation battle, but it does seem like they're going to be avoiding that reasonably well. Gary O'Neill, hats off to Gary O'Neill, who is doing a good job at Wolves and who was not respected by Bournemouth. I feel like Bournemouth got rid of him way too quickly. And uh, it's their loss, and Wolves' Wolves game. Anyway, Luton in 17th, Nottingham in 16th, Burnley in 15th. They all belong in the 
the low table and perhaps not quite where they are on my list, but I'm not too worried about any of that. Brentford in 14th. Uh, I may have overestimated the impact of the loss of Ivan Tony, but they could still end up in, in, in 14th. I think that's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton 13th. Not too worried about that. I think they could end up around about there. West Ham 12th, Fulham in 11th. I underestimated uh, the impact of the loss of Mitrovic on Fulham, <laughs> clearly. So, yeah. Crystal Palace in 10th, because yes, that is their rightful place <laughs> in the Premier League table. I have Spurs down 9th, which, like you, is an uh, underestimation of their, of their talent. Aston Villa in 8th which I think may end up being slightly wrong, but I'm not overly worried right now because they're on good form, but I don't know if they're going to necessarily finish above that. Chelsea in seventh, uh, which is possible. Brighton in sixth, I think that makes sense as well. Manchester United in fifth, uh, which is looking less and less likely as the game weeks go by. Liverpool fifth, uh, Liverpool fourth, sorry. Newcastle in third. Newcastle in third might be a bit optimistic. Uh, I thought Newcastle would capitalise a little better on their, their, their good last season. Arsenal second and Manchester City first, because this game is about being right and not about being original. Uh, <laughs> so there are a lot of things that aren't 100% good <laughs> about where things are sitting right now. But uh, I think my major issues are Spurs are too far down. Maybe Burnley are too high up. and Well, Wolves are too far down as well, I think. I think those are the major issues. Yeah, Spurs too far down and Wolves too far down. So I think I need to boost both of those guys up and that will automatically push down some other people that I think might need to be further down the table anyway. Uh, right. right, so... What are you thinking? I'm thinking maybe Spurs up to fifth and then that'll push Man U and Chelsea down a little further, which makes sense to me. Uh, Or even all the way up to third and move Newcastle down, that can make sense. And then Wolves move them up to, uh, move them up to maybe 13th, and that will push everyone else down there. Further down, I think that might make sense. All right. Are you locking that in or are you... uh... I'm waiting for you to lock your stuff in first. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, I mean... I could, so I could move Burnley down the table, but not super urgent. I could move Villa up the table, but also not super urgent. So I think, yeah, I think I'll lock in my original suggestion of swapping United and Spurs. Okay. All right, and I, I am going to. So I'm definitely moving Wolves up to thirteenth, and and shifting everyone else down one. I think that makes sense to correct. The uh, my lower table there. Do I want Spurs all the way up in third? I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it because I don't think I don't see Spurs dropping lower than fifth over the course of the season. So, all right, moves locked in. Moves locked in. We will we will come back to this in uh, about ten weeks. Yeah, ten game weeks. Yeah, in game weeks. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Very nice. All right, so on to our final segment of the show. Well, where we look at, at the world outside of football. 
Yeah. And actually, in this case, we're not going to go that far outside of football because we're going to look at rugby football. Never forget that rugby was initially initially football. I, you know, I've heard this story a lot. Yeah, the uh, the student, the student at rugby in rugby at the school who decided to pick up a football and run with it. Yep, That's, that is how rugby was supposedly invented. Although there's a Yes, that's a bit of a myth, but what is definitely true is that it was played on a football pitch for a long yeah. time. And like, for example, the those posts, the 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 big rugby posts that we all know, uh, if you look at it, originally it's the shape of a goal of a football goal because originally they just had to kick it over the top of the crossbar of a football ball of a football goal, and mm. they added those big posts to make it easier for the referees to say yes, it did go over or it didn't. Uh, but otherwise, it was just a, it was just a it was just a football goal that they were kicking it over. Interesting. Anyway, the Rugby World Cup final took place uh, this weekend. Sure did. It did indeed. South Africa beat New Zealand twelve points to eleven. That's South Africa's fourth World Cup title, their second in a row after winning in twenty nineteen as well. South Africa obviously are a phenomenal team. And you know, you know, we talk about them edging. I mean, they 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 beat New Zealand by one point. They beat England by one point in the semi final. So are they? They lucky? beat France by one point in the quarter final as well. Oh wow! Okay. So are they lucky, or are they just winners? Are they are they just you know a team that does what they need to do to win the game, and we can't begrudge them for that? I think I think they're. I mean, you can. Winning one game by one point is luck. Winning three games by one point is you're doing something right. Like there's, they're fine margins, but they're still winning. And at the end of the day, I think most. I don't think you can win a tournament by luck. <laughs> an entire tournament, you can win a game by luck, but not an entire tournament. No, they came out of that group of death, and they came second. So they, yeah, they faced some, they faced some tough opposition to the, to the on their way to victory. And uh, and they won, and they did the job. Job done. They did the job. So, uh, so well done to them. But uh, the that tournament saw some very exciting underdogs uh, coming to the fore, which I very much enjoyed. That Fiji Portugal game. That Fiji Portugal game was one of the best sports games yeah. I've ever seen. I, I've had that. I've heard that from a couple of people now. Wish I'd seen it. <laughs> but see, this is and that raises an interesting point about the South African team and their winning in that. They won because they they did the the, the nitty gritty stuff of of defending and driving and making less mistakes than the other teams. Andre Andre Pollard scored a hundred percent of his kicking, which is a crazy statistic, and and so it shows that they they won by a sort of flawless ruthlessness, but without but not with any flair. Like one of, an interesting statistic from their knockout games is in their three knockout games, including the England game, and we all know that England weren't amazing at this tournament. In their three knockout games, they had less possession than the team they beat, and so they spent more of their game defending. And so the tactic that seems to have worked is just a sort of uh, grin, bear it, and hold, and hold, hold down the fort. Whereas the more exciting rugby happened uh, happened with teams like Fiji and Portugal and 
well, France on a good day, or New Zealand on a good day as well. And those are teams that are capable of like of attacking flair, of passing the ball around at the back, of 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 subtle kicking games and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that lost, which means exciting rugby kind of lost. <laughs> and that's a bit sad. Well, congratulations to South Africa. Um, exciting rugby might be fun to watch, but it doesn't win tournaments. And that is the that is the takeaway. It doesn't win tournaments so far. But so it far, might. But, but it may yet. We will see. So Tristan, do you have a wacky sport to tell us about? I do indeed. I'm a big fan of wacky sports. Tell us about this wacky sport. This week's game is Kabaddi. Kabaddi is an ancient Indian game uh, that has been played for centuries in India. And how only recently, like in less than a less than a decade ago, uh, started to become popular as a, a professional game. It's played on a court, a badminton-sized court that's uh, split into two halves. On e- in each half, you've got seven players. Basically, what happens is one team sends one player into the opposing half. He's called the raider. The raider uh, is going to try and touch as many of the opposing team members, uh, the defenders, as possible, and then get back to his own half. What makes this challenging is that, A, he has to do it all without taking a breath. How does he prove that he's not taking a breath? Uh, He has to chant... Kabaddi, 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 the whole time that he is in the opponent's half. If he stops chanting kabaddi, in other words, if he takes a breath, then uh, he, he's out. What he's trying to do is touch the players and then get back to his half. And what the defenders are trying to do is to avoid getting touched. But if they do get touched, to immediately pounce on him so that he can't get back to his own half uh, before he runs out of breath. And so there's this sort of, there's this thing where the defenders can't get too far away from him because if they're too far away, they're useless for trying to stop the guy from getting back to his own half. And, uh, but they don't want to get too close because then they risk getting touched because, of course, the problem is that the more players he touches, the more points they score. So if he does get a player and you jump into the fray, but you don't have enough teammates that follow on or you don't manage to, to stop him, then you'll have touched him whilst trying to stop him and he's going to get an extra point for that as he gets back to his half. So it's, it's this, there's this strategy of split-second decision-making, of the risk of going in for the kill or not. And given that these are very strong athletic guys, so you're not, you're not talking about stopping anybody. You're to- talking about stopping sometimes a seven-foot-tall behemoth who's, who's trying to drive with all of his might back to his half because all he has to do is get his fingertip into his half uh, while still chanting cavity and he's, he's safe. And so that's how the game's played. It's back and forth, uh, back and forth like that, given, uh, given that uh, when a player is eliminated, either because he's touched by the raider or because he fails to get back to his own half, he is eliminated. And uh, so the other team loses a player. It's a point that's scored, but it's also a player that's lost uh, for the other team. And then they get players back when, they, when their raider successfully touches 
defenders. It's, it's almost like a human dodgeball in a way. Wow. That is wacky. There you have it, folks. Uh, that was the very first, very first edition of uh, Foot Bros. So if you're just tuning in for the first time, then lucky you, we're tuning in for the first time as well. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully, uh, with another edition. We'll talk about uh, football. There's the Carabao Cup. Hopefully some FPL successes for us. Hopefully for you as well, if you're an FPL player. And uh, I think the last thing that there's to say is happy Halloween to everyone out there. Yeah, happy Halloween. Bye, Keenan. Bye, Tristan. <laughs>